You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, you guys, so last week we talked about uh, the story of Jonah. We actually finished the book of Jonah last week. There's only four chapters in the book. You could sit down and read it really quick. Um, but there's something about the ending that doesn't, it doesn't really sit well with me, right? The book ends, if you remember, the book ends with God uh, talking to Jonah, who's like super pissed, right? Jonah, Jonah was, he, he left the city of Nineveh and he went up on a hill and he was going to watch because uh, he thought God was going to destroy the city, uh, but he didn't. And God was, and, and Jonah was mad. He was like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. He says, I'm angry enough to die. And God reminds him at the end of Jonah who he is. He says, Jonah, I still have a heart for these people. I still care about the Ninevites, even though they've done so many, so many horrible, terrible things. And that's where the book of Jonah ends. And it, it bothers me because Jonah doesn't get a chance to respond. Right? The book just ends right there. But I think that happens like that on purpose because it forces us as the readers to decide how we're going to respond. In a lot of ways, it puts the reader in Jonah's position and the reader gets to choose, how am I going to answer God? And that's why I titled this message, What's Your Nineveh? Because there's still dark places in this world. There's still areas in this world where darkness is, is king. And you guys, God, God's plan to address that darkness, his, his master plan to bring the light there is you, his church. That's what Christians are. Christians are, are people who have the light of Jesus, the light of Christ, and they take that light into the dark places and they light it up. But here's the thing, and this is kind of where I want to sit for a little while. The darkness... I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's not really that comfortable. It's not really that nice of a place. See, somewhere along the line, I don't know how it happened, but we got the idea that when you become a Christian, that means you're going to get everything you ever wanted. When you become a Christian, everything is rainbows and unicorns, we sing happy songs all the time. Everybody's smiling. When we got this idea that when you become a Christian, suffering and, pers- and persecution, that stuff happens because you're doing something wrong. Right? Like in the story of Job, Job has all this crappy, crappy stuff happen to him and his friends are like, what did you do wrong? Maybe it was this, maybe it was this. There's darkness in the world. It's uncomfortable. So if we're going to address the darkness, we have to go outside of our comfort zone. And as I was sitting with these passages and really thinking about what they mean, this, this phrase kind of came out uh, in my mind, and uh, I think it's really important. Your comfort 
and, I, and I'm talking to I'm talking to the Christians here. Most of this message is directed toward Christians. So if you're if you're not a follower of Jesus in here, you might just be able to take it in, so you know to hold your Christian friends accountable for this afterwards. But Christians, your comfort never supersedes God's plan. Your comfort never supersedes God's plan. See, being a Christian is actually hard. There's actually a lot of stuff that comes along with it that sometimes people don't like to talk about. And Jesus says some, he says some tough, he's got some tough truth in Mark chapter 9 about what it means to become a Christian. In verse 23, it says this. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But for whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Man, when I read that, that stung. That last verse right there. If you're ashamed of me, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me now, when I come back with all my glory and my angels, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And I don't know if you guys feel this, but I just want to be real with you for a second. I, f I feel the pressure of this because uh, I work in a church. And so like if I'm meeting a new person, a stranger, whatever, uh, we kind of have this first person conversation. And one of the first things people usually ask is, well, what do you do? Like, what, what's your job? And sometimes there's something in me where it's like, man, this guy's going to judge me because I work at a church or I'm going to have to get into this whole big conversation or maybe this guy's got like some pent up rage against something that happened in the past and he's just going to dump this out on me just because I say that I work at a church. And I'll be honest with you guys, sometimes I just say, yeah, I work with teenagers. I work with students. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then I feel like, am I ashamed of Jesus? God was calling me into Nineveh in that moment and I chose to get on a boat and go the other direction. See, the, this, this verse, these verses in Mark 9, they're bad news to the world. Sometimes it seems like bad news. If you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. That's what Jesus says. That's bad news to the world, but to Christians, that should be good news. That in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are outside, to those who are perishing. But to those of us, to the Christians, it is the power of God. It is life. Mark, uh, Luke 9 is good news to us because we know that death isn't the end of our story. Death isn't the end of our story. And we have this thing in Christianity called baptism. Baptism is a highly symbolic act where we actually, uh, we die to ourselves. When a person gets baptized and they go under the water, it's a symbolic death. 
guys, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how Jonah went into the water, into the Maim. I don't know if you guys remember that word. The chaos water, he went down into Sheol. That, that symbolizes death. When that person comes out of the water. I don't know how you guys felt, if there's anybody who's baptized in here. When you come out of that water, oh man, it feels good. You're brand new. You're a new creation. Scripture says, when you, when you come out, you're, you're resurrected with Jesus. And you're a new creation. You're different than you were before. And that's the main idea for this sermon, that the only way that you can truly live for God is to die to yourself. That's the only way. And when you do that, when you, when you make that decision for baptism, and if by the end of this message you come to that decision, you say, you know what, I've thought about what it costs and I want to do that, come, come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, but what happens when, when we are resurrected in baptism is God's priorities now become your priorities. God's desires, Christ's desires now become your desires. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. And his call becomes your call. That's what happens when you're resurrected with Christ. You're a new person, but you don't live for yourself anymore. You live for Christ. And so I want you to imagine this. Um, <clears throat> I've got a rope here. I need a, I need a volunteer. I need a helper. <laughs> Nobody wants to help. You... Okay, Manny, stand up for me, buddy. <clears throat> yeah, Manny. <laughs> hey, Manny, how, how, like, what age do you want to live to? What, 200, dang, dude. Realistically, realistically, how, you want, how old do you want to be when you die? 90. That's still pretty optimistic, but I'll give it to you. All right, can you guys see this rope here? Okay, this is, this, and this hand is Manny's birth, and right here, this black line, is Manny's death. Okay, so 90 years. 90 years are right in here. How old are you? 17? That's about 17 right there. All right, so now you got this much. 90, or, I don't know, what is that, 73? 73 years? You gotta sleep though, right? Go to sleep. Uh, sleep? Yeah, it's good sleep. <clears throat> sleep a lot when you get older. Come on. This is what you got left, Manny. This is what you got left. <laughs> this is Manny's waking hours. And it's the same thing for you guys. Right? You only have so much time left on this rope before you die. Something happens after that, right? You can sit down, thanks, <laughs> Something happens after that, right? When you die, something else happens. It's not the end. I got a lot of rope, you guys. <laughs> now think about how, how many inches was Manny's last 73 years? How much time, how many hours how much time happens? How many things go on after that? I'm still going, you guys. I'm going to get all the way through this. The point of this is, 
You only have a little bit of time left. Oh, there's the end. <laughs> you only have a little bit of time left. And this is, this is important because you have to decide what you're going to do with the time that you have left. With those few inches, what happens in those few inches determines what happens in the rest of this. You guys, eternity is way longer than that rope. What happens in those few inches determines how the rest of that rope is going to go for all of us. You might have some ideas of what you want to do with that time. But God's got one too. It's really, really simple. And I love it. Uh, It's in Matthew 28. This is the last thing that Jesus says before he uh, he goes back to heaven. So he's already he's already been crucified. He's already been resurrected, and he's going to live leave his disciples with one last teaching before he leaves. And the next time he comes, he's playing for keeps. This is what he says in Matthew twenty eight verse eighteen. Then Jesus came to them and said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You guys, this teaching of Jesus is so simple. You don't need a pastor to sit up here and tell you what it means to go. You don't, you don't need your, your small group leaders to tell you how to apply that to your life, you guys. This is simple. Jesus says, if you do only one thing for the rest of your life, well, <laughs> two things. Serve and share. Share and serve. He says, go, tell people about me. Carry on my legacy and serve people as you go. But just because that's simple, just because that command of Jesus is simple doesn't make it easy. Just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. God, sometimes, Serving and sharing other people means that we have to suffer. When we go into the darkness to our Nineveh, wherever God is calling us, we're going to have to deal with some hard stuff. I don't want to sugarcoat this for you guys. I would rather you count the cost and say, I'm ready, and be ready than to go in and blindside or to go in a blind and just get taken off guard by something when it turns bad. You guys, going into the darkness is hard. But I want you guys to know, there's so much, like, the whole New Testament is, an, is basically an encouragement for people who are willing to go into the darkness. All over the New Testament, especially in Paul and in the epistles, it's encouragement for those times. It's encouragement when we face trials and suffering and persecution. And the main message, I think if I were to boil it all down, it would be this. God can use suffering for something better. 
I don't know about you guys, but when I'm suffering, sometimes it feels like, how, how is this going to help anything? How, how is God going to be able to use my depression for something better? How can he actually do that? Like, there's nothing good that can come out of this. In, in James chapter 1, verse 2, uh, basically says that, uh, James is basically saying, guys, when you face trials and, and persecution and suffering, consider it joy. Because the suffering, the trials, produce perseverance. And perseverance continues, it finishes its work, so you can be complete, mature Christians, not lacking in anything. Just consider it joy because God's doing something with the suffering. In Romans 8, and by the way, people like to quote this verse to somebody who's just gone through something really, really hard. Uh, don't do that. Uh, this is a terrible verse to quote to somebody like if they've just lost a loved one or they're going through something really, really difficult, don't say this verse to them because they don't want to hear it. But it's, it's got a lot of truth to it. And I mean, just a second. But Romans 8, like starting in verse 28, basically says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What that verse is saying is that God's got a plan. He's got a plan for what's going on. There's something more happening than just the brokenness and the darkness in this world. And that doesn't, that doesn't make the suffering easier to go through. But the suffering produces perseverance so that God can use us for that next thing, for that next step. You guys... God is going to be calling you into a bunch of different Ninevehs over the course of your life. And I don't know what those are going to look like. I don't know where those are going to be. But there are going to be trials that come. If you follow Jesus, I guarantee you trials are going to come. And you have to decide how to respond to them, just like Jonah, right? We don't get to hear Jonah's response, but you get to choose. Nineveh was a dark place. God called Jonah there. He's calling you too. Your Nineveh may not be that far away. Maybe Nineveh is inside your house. Maybe God's calling you to reconcile with a family member or to deal with something that's going on at home. Maybe Nineveh is at school. Where God is saying, I need you to talk to that person, to that person. I need you to tell them about me. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling Christians to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable, and to serve those who don't deserve it. Think of those people. I don't know, I don't know 
if there's like some, that, that one thing that if somebody were to do that, it would just be impossible for you to love them or forgive them. God calls you to those people. The people that are rejected by everyone else. God's saying, I, I care about them. I died to save them. And where his plan to bring the light into those dark places. Maybe, maybe, let me take a step back from that. Maybe Nineveh isn't a place on the map for you. Maybe Nineveh is inside your own heart. Maybe God is calling you to a place of darkness inside yourself that you're not willing to go to, to bring light there so you can experience healing and redemption. You guys, we are called to shine the light of Jesus because repentance brings healing. It brings people out of the darkness and into the light. God is calling you. How are you going to respond? I'm trying to think of a way to close out this series, and I've got a friend who's a poet. Um, he, he travels around, he speaks at conferences and stuff, um, and he's got a poem called Love. And I love this poem, you guys. And this kind of encapsulates everything what we've been talking about through this entire series about uh, a God who calls us with an offensive call, whose love and grace should actually be offensive to us. And I just want you guys to listen to this and then I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go into small groups and really, really hear these words and think about how are you gonna answer the call to your Nineveh. 